You're listening to Token Talks, brought to you by Wing Venture Capital. I'm your host, Zach DeWitt. Blockchains are, are more than just tools for creating new monetary systems. They're also a way of having like publicly verifiable computation. And when, when you have truly publicly verifiable computation, that is computation that someone can verify even with really minimal resources, like on a mobile phone or in a website or whatever, you open the door to the possibility of having end users having oversight over the programs that they're interacting with on a daily basis. Today, we are joined by Isaac Meckler and Evan Shapiro, co-founders of Coda. Recently backed by Metastable, Polychain, and Electric Capital, Coda is a new cryptocurrency protocol that reduces the size of the blockchain from gigabytes down to the size of just a few tweets. While studying cryptography for his PhD from Berkeley, Isaac realized that current blockchains have a fundamental trade-off between scaling and decentralization. Today, if you want to verify a transaction on a cryptocurrency, you need to first download a full copy of the blockchain. This works fine in the early days of a network, but quickly becomes impractical over time as the blockchain becomes longer and grows in size to hundreds of gigabytes. Coda will enable any device to verify their balance in transactions, no matter if they have very little bandwidth or only a mobile phone to do so, enabling a store of value accessible to everyone. This technology will allow nearly any internet-connected device to instantly interact with blockchain-verified data, for example, your browser could let you know whether the site you're visiting is managing your password properly. Your email client could tell you whether a ticket seller responding to your ad on Craigslist really owns the seats she's selling you and verify her identity for you. A nonprofit site could tell you where every dollar given by their users was actually spent that year and then automatically file your taxes for you. Coda's mission is to make the internet legible and transparent. Coda will launch its testnet this fall and go live next year. Welcome, Coda. Please introduce yourself. I'm Isaac. I'm the CTO at O1 Labs, the company developing Coda. Prior to doing this, I was a PhD student at Berkeley uh, studying cryptography. Uh, hey, I'm, my name is Evan. I'm the CEO of O1 Labs. My background before this was uh, computer science and robotics and machine learning. So what is Coda and what problems are you solving? Uh, so Coda is a brand new cryptocurrency. It's a layer zero, totally new blockchain. Sorry, I should say layer one. <laughs> you know, computer scientists, so start with zero. The main problem that it solves is how to scale without centralizing. So popular cryptocurrencies today are pretty inaccessible. So actually verifying your account balance requires downloading hundreds of gigabytes, uh, you know, and it's inaccessible to all, except those who have like really kind of major computational resources, bandwidth, storage, constant internet connectivity, etc. Coda basically compresses the entire blockchain down to the size of a few tweets so that anyone can verify and it can scale to large numbers of users without sacrificing decentralization. What are some use cases for Coda given this new technological design? I guess that kind of ties into you know the fundamental approach that we take. Coda, because uh, it can be verified so accessibly on any device, like even a mobile, it can kind of go places other cryptocurrencies can't. So as I just said, you know, on a mobile phone or in a web page, like just in a little JavaScript file that you load at the beginning. So right out of the gate, uh, you can have a cryptocurrency integrated into your web app uh, on a mobile phone, which I think is, is pretty exciting and will go a long way for crypto accessibility. Another cool thing which I'm excited about further down the line is opening up the door to 
what some people call verifiable computation or uh, general verifiable computation or, or what this guy Joshua Kroll calls accountable algorithms. So this is like programs that end users can actually sort of hold accountable for what they do. So how does this work in practice? If you can actually download the Coda blockchain and verify your account balance or verify certain transactions, how will that play out? Who will do that? Who will use that? Will it be the end users? Will it be developers? Will it be a mix? So right now, um, cryptocurrencies are kind of limited to people who have like these, you know, either big desktop computers or data centers, or, you know, they use a cryptocurrency through trusting some third party. Our goal is kind of to open cryptocurrency up to like the general public, to more developers, to real world applications. Really kind of bring cryptocurrency uh, from a prototype to kind of being real, real world accessible. In one of your presentations, you talk about both mobile payments and machine to machine payments. Can you please elaborate on how Coda can support these two use cases? Yeah, sure. So these are just two uh, applications we think are both kind of particularly exciting and also something we can just kind of do immediately after launch. With the mobile app, we think like because Coda is like this very cheaply accessible and resource efficient blockchain, it can like, as Izzy was saying earlier, go on mobile phones. Uh, this means that Coda can kind of be the first like globally accessible like store value that's accessible to everyone. Um, the first like uh, cryptocurrency that like people can use without like having to go through like you know their local like Coinbase type entity if there even is one in their country. Uh, it's really like an internationally globally accessible like cryptocurrency. As for machine to machine payments, we think it should be really easy for developers to deploy APIs they get paid for. Uh, so basically, like a developer should be able to write a service and just annotate it with like their account and like an amount, and anytime anyone ever calls that API, they should get paid that amount for that API call. Uh, like developers and consumers should should be really easy for them to get paid for writing new algorithms, new services, uh, and deploying new digital assets. Two particular things I think are kind of exciting here, and we'll probably maybe even build as demos are like pay-per-use digital assets, like how many users are using a digital asset determines how much you pay to use it, as well as like prorated access to like computing resources. Uh, we're excited to see what the community wants to build with this as well. So how does the Coda token work? Is it mined? How do you acquire the Coda token? You mentioned, you know, you could do this in developing nations without the local Coinbase. Yeah, um, so there's two ways to uh, acquire Coda. I guess three ways. The first is through an exchange. Uh, the second is like, it's a proof of stake protocol. So if you already have some Coda, you can either stake the coin or you can delegate um, your stake to pay more. There's also a role in our system called like Snarker. And people that are snarking perform like computational work to produce Snark proofs and they get paid um, in Coda to do so. What is a succinct blockchain? A succinct blockchain is a blockchain that's like cheap and easy to verify and resource efficient no matter how many transactions it like has processed or is processing. Um, in particular for Coda, it's a blockchain that's like constant size. So no matter how long it's been around for, how many transactions have gone through it, it never costs like more or too much to verify. And in particular, you know, to be super concrete, the blockchain is in some sense just around a kilobyte and takes a few milliseconds to verify. So if you were going to explain this to my grandmother, how is Coda different than some other mainstream cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum? I guess maybe I explain it in the following way. Coda solves a few problems that cryptocurrencies like the ones you mentioned currently have. One is it's sort of scalable without sacrificing decentralization, which is what I mentioned before. It's possible for Coda to process you know, a large number of transactions while remaining 
accessible to check for anyone. Um, whereas something like Bitcoin or Ethereum, the only people who are checking that are purportedly some computers uh, out there on the internet. And, you know, lar large computers and not that many of them. I guess an another thing that I would say is because it uses a proof-of-stake consensus mechanism, it's a lot more energy efficient. So it's not doing wasteful computation like Bitcoin and Ethereum are currently doing. I know maybe if I had a few more minutes with your grandmother or grandfather or whatever, I could maybe explain to them that also Bitcoin and Ethereum have this, this weird property that like if you want to check the whole blockchain, if you want to like check how much money you have, say, you need to check every transaction that happened in the past leading to you having that amount of money. So you need to check like your last paycheck and oh, where your boss got the money from and so on and so on and so on. In Coda, this entire history is just compressed down to this tiny little proof that's easy to check. And why do you think that is really an important feature over the next 10 years? So Bitcoin has more or less worked okay to date, but you know you can imagine it continues to grow ex exponentially and compound in its size, right? Uh, surpassing hundreds of gigabytes. Why is that problematic? And, and obviously, you know, how does Coda kind of separate itself from some of these existing blockchains in, in the long run? Well, I guess I'd say, um, you know, we've sort of barely scratched the surface of crypto adoption. The number of people who are using cryptocurrency is tiny. As that number grows, the existing problem of verification is just, which is already really bad, even at the current like super low level of usage, is just going to get worse and worse. And if you don't solve that problem, you're sort of leaving a gaping security hole in the system and leaving ultimately users vulnerable to attack. Will Coda have smart contracts? The plan is to support smart contracts down the line, but at launch, it's just going to be payments. How does Coda differentiate itself in terms of performance, scalability, governance from some of the existing blockchains? So one particular thing um, Coda does differently is um, related to smart contracts. So in these other protocols, when a smart contract is run, it's added to the blockchain. And then if anyone wants to come along and run a new smart contract, they have to run every smart contract that came before to make sure there hasn't been an attack. This, this is uh, kind of unsustainable. It's like as if whenever you wanted to do a Google search, you had to first run every Google search that came before you to get your result. W with Coda, it kind of solves that problem. Because these smart contracts get folded back into like the succinct blockchain, smart contracts are kind of just run once. So you don't have this problem of having to run everything that came before you. Uh, so the performance and scalability properties are way better. To be clear, at launch, it's just going to support payments, and that's smart contracts are for future development after that. So in terms of payments, will it be very low fee, low latency? What will it cost me to move you know, a million dollars on Coda from the US to India, for example? How long would that take and what will the fees be? It's sort of uh, like all of these systems, the fees are sort of market-based, so it's really impossible to say exactly. Uh, the throughput should be a lot higher than existing cryptocurrencies, so one would expect as a result to have a lot lower fees. And the latency is on the order of maybe a few minutes at most. Without going too deep into the technology, please describe Coda's consensus mechanism. Sure. So Coda uses a proof-of-stake consensus mechanism. In particular, it uses a variant of uh, what's called Ouroboros Genesis, um, which we like because it has uh, very good security proofs behind it. I guess I would describe proof-of-stake uh, like follows. Like in Bitcoin, like block producers are selected kind of randomly according to how much um, hash power they have, whereas in proof-of-stake, uh, block producers are selected randomly according to how much stake they have as a portion of the total supply. Um, there are some additional uh, mechanisms involved in getting randomness into the system safely, but I, I won't go into that now. <laughs> and follow up to this, how would you describe ZK Snarks to our audience and how are you using them? 
I guess, you know, one way to talk about snarks is a snark is like a tiny certificate that some computation was run correctly. So to make things concrete, one kind of funny example, which goes back to one of the first papers about um, using some kind of snark in some sense for verifiable computation. Imagine if you wanted to run a program that took a thousand years to run. So you start running this program. Let's say we start running the program later today and we, we have it you know, spit out in, in addition to its output, we also wanted to sort of spit out this, this snark that it was uh, running correctly. So a thousand years goes by, you know, someone is born in year 3018, and they're like, hey, I'm really curious about this program that's been running for the last thousand years. I want to make sure that it really did its job correctly. They could just look at the snark that the program spit out and, and know that that program actually ran correctly, even though they weren't around, you know, for any really of the time it was executing. So even though they weren't there, it's still possible for them to have confidence in the fact that this, this program was run correctly. So the way that Coda uses this is we use snarks to certify the computation of basically checking a blockchain. So that's a computation that doesn't take a thousand years, but does take a significant amount of time and resources. So you can sort of, instead of having to have people do that computation themselves, the network essentially produces this proof that that computation was done, that the blockchain was checked. And the end user just has to, you know, like the baby, just has to wake up and check this little proof without having to see the history themselves. So you can almost think, in layman's term, think about the snark as a receipt, as a guarantee that the computation ran correctly and this is a receipt of that proof. Yeah, some kind of stamp of approval or uh, something like that, which is sort of guaranteed by cryptography to be unforgeable. And this is a technology that empowers Coda to have a succinct blockchain, right? Because instead of checking all the computation, you just check all the ZK snarks. That's right. So instead of checking this uh, whole blockchain and, and redoing that whole computation of doing the block, you know, going running down the blockchain, checking all the transactions, executing everything, you just have to download this tiny proof, which is essentially the succinct blockchain, um, which just takes about 15 milliseconds or thereabouts to check. So in this open source protocol world, how easy will it be for other either existing blockchains or new blockchains that see your success and want to follow Coda to replicate some of your best-in-class technology and, and design structure? So it should be, well, it will be very difficult uh, for that to happen. Uh, depending on the level of the protocol they're trying to add zero-knowledge proofs to, um, zero-knowledge proofs being ZK-SNARKs, the technology behind our succinct blockchains. Um, so when you design um, a program, or in our case, a protocol that works inside of a ZK-SNARK, you have to be very particular about a lot of the decisions you make around it, like things like the hash functions, the signature schemes, and some of the algorithms you choose. You can't just take any off-the-shelf, like, you know, SHA hash function or any arbitrary algorithm and put it inside of a SNARK, uh, because it'll be very, very resource inefficient. So it's very difficult for like kind of existing consensus mechanisms and protocols to adopt succinct blockchains. Uh, that said, I think we will kind of see uh, protocols adopting zero knowledge proofs sort of at like the application or smart contract layer. Uh, but that's very different than adding it in at the consensus layer. Yeah. So in this vein, who do you think of as your competitors? I guess I think the real competitors are like not within the crypto world. It's kind of like all the traditional like software and financial entities that like have been around a long time and have their own way of doing things already. I think at the moment, like the most important thing for us as an ecosystem is building up these technologies, having great proof of concept applications and really showing that cryptocurrency can be a real alternative to what's already out there. What types of attacks is Coda vulnerable to? Are there any types, of, you know, with this, this CK Snarks design, are there any other uh, certain attacks that Coda is more vulnerable to than other cryptocurrencies or 51% attacks? I like basically all cryptocurrencies that have 
some kind of uh, proof of resource based consensus mechanism, you're vulnerable to so-called 51% attacks. That's no different from Ethereum or Bitcoin or, or you know Zcash or what have you. In a lot of ways, Coda is actually, for the end user, ends up being a lot more secure because they're actually able to verify the whole blockchain themselves without having to delegate that uh, responsibility to a third party. What is the big vision for Coda? Fast forward 20 years. I guess 20 years from now, there, there's a few things. So the first is, at this point, in, inside cryptocurrency, it almost feels sort of like a mundane thing to say, but opening up access to the financial system and making interacting with it a lot more frictionless and, and easy for people. I think the, the more interesting thing that is represented by Coda is the idea of widespread verifiable computation. So like blockchains are, are more than just tools for creating new monetary systems. They're also a way of having like publicly verifiable computation. And when, when you have truly publicly verifiable computation, that is computation that someone can verify even with really minimal resources, like on a mobile phone or in a website or whatever, you open the door to the possibility of having users and users having oversight over the programs that they're interacting with on a daily basis. So right now, you know, you go to a browser, it serves you some content. You don't really know anything about how the content was generated. You have sort of no accountability or oversight over like the processes which are generating what you see. So for, to give you an example, when you're served an ad online, I don't like ads actually, so I, I'm looking for a new example, uh, but this one is somehow just very easy to communicate. When you serve an ad online, you, you don't know anything about how that ad was generated, how it was targeted toward you. Is it you know, using your race, your socioeconomic status, et cetera, et cetera. Even maybe your medical history. It could be. It would be really great, I think, in terms of consumer protection, to force advertisers to, in addition to serving you an ad, serving you a proof that that ad was generated agnostic of any identifying sensitive personal information. So I think that's the really kind of cool application, you know, which sort of ultimately served to protect the end user that we'll see coming out of verifiable computation, especially, you know, in an era which is, I think, sees people waking up to the fact that they're sort of at, at the mercies of computer systems that they don't really have any control over. That's really transformative. And how do you think that would look and feel to a user? I mean, would Coda need to build a mobile app or, you know, would you have developers building on top of Coda, which I can see an ad on my mobile phone as I'm walking to the grocery store and verify that this was, didn't use my race, my gender, my income to serve me this ad? I think it's like a really difficult UI problem. Well, I guess it's a combination of two things. One is getting developer buy-in. I think developers are already kind of activated or already sort of, there's a lot of buy-in among developers in, into this worldview. So that I'm, I'm sort of less concerned about as like a long-term challenge. I think the more difficult thing is just in terms of UI, how do you really present this to the user, um, show them that they're protected in a way that's sort of honest and not ultimately misleading? Yeah, this is just a reminder how early we are in crypto and, and how much you know new use cases and design space these blockchains can open up. So it'll be very fun to follow over the next couple of decades. Tell us more about the Coda team. So um, you guys grew up together and love to hear more about uh, the rest of the team and, and, and who you've been adding. So right, right now we're 11 people. We have built a really amazing team of uh, functional programming engineers. Everything we do is a no-camel and we're hiring. So if, if anyone out there is a no-camel hacker, send us an email. We also have a great team of advisors who are helping us out. So there's Joe Bonneau, who's a professor at NYU and um, a sort of leading cryptocurrency consensus researcher, Jill Carlson, who's a leading independent thinker in, in the blockchain cryptocurrency space, um, and more recently, Paul Davison, who's uh, CEO of Coinless. 
So tell us about your fundraising to date and future plans for fundraising. To date, uh, let's see. So we raised a seed round with some of the really the best investors in the space. It was led by uh, Metastable, Naval Ravikant, and Alad Gill. A lot of other amazing investors, Polychain, Decrypt, uh, a bunch of angels, Fred Ersom, Linda Shian, a bunch of other great angels. Yeah. And what's the timeline for when Coda will be released on testnet and mainnet and in the wild for all users to engage with and purchase and mine via the proof of stake mechanism? So we plan on having like a testnet or like release candidate out later this year. And then we hope to be launching, you know, pretty soon after that, hopefully like very early next year. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about the Coda community and how you're going about building it. Um, you know, how, how important is it to you? Yeah, I think it's super, super important. Uh, right now, uh, our main way of getting in touch with the community is through our uh, Twitter and our Telegram channel. Uh, they both just kind of happened organically. We needed a way to, you know, reach out to people and tell them updates on the project. And we needed a way for people to be able to chat about what we're doing. Uh, right now, I think we have 13K Telegram members and we have like a globally distributed team of moderators. And I think also in the near term, we're going to be reaching out more to developers to bring them into helping us kind of build out the code ecosystem. So talking a little bit about the crypto environment right now, you guys are in the front line developing one of the most exciting projects in the space. What are some important trends in the crypto ecosystem now you're observing? I think there's kind of the obvious ones, which is like, uh, you know, new protocols coming out that all, you know, have a different transaction per second number that they say they can do with different other like little technical properties that, uh, you know, may or may matter in the future. I think what I'm looking at personally are kind of like, I guess I would call it underlying trends about like how many applications are being released that do real things, like things beyond like uh, easy to like define metrics, like number of transactions per second. I think that's like really what the crypto ecosystem needs to like grow and expand. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. So, I mean, just to offer a few concrete examples, the recent release of Augur has been pretty cool. So that's like a pretty exciting real world that application that's being built on top of Ethereum. Why do you guys think so many developers are starting to first build on Ethereum with eyes wide open that they know there's uh, serious scaling issues? Do you think it's because you know they're confident that Ethereum can figure out scaling through a lot of the different solutions that they're proposing? Or do you think it's because they'll eventually port over to more scalable blockchains like Coda or like some of these other next generation smart contract platforms? I guess the my response to that would be sort of twofold. The first is I can only sort of speculate as to why people would choose to build on Ethereum one guess is that it's kind of the most obvious path at this point. Um, so the Ethereum team has done a really, really amazing job making it pretty easy for developers to kind of get started building on top of it. I guess my my second response to that would be, I, we're very, really in the nascent stages of developer adoption and engagement with cryptocurrency technologies. So it remains to be seen how things will play out in the future. There aren't so many applications built on top of Ethereum. So what are some of the crypto projects that you both are personally most excited about? This could be existing blockchains, this could be new emerging projects, layer one, layer two. I mean, one thing I'm very interested in is like uh, projects that kind of leverage cryptocurrency to kind of go beyond what was possible with like traditional software engineering, Uh, things like Filecoin, things like Orchid, things like Augur. I think like there's a lot of potential in like tying, um, you know, uh, incentives into like software. And I think like, it's a very exciting space. Also, just you know, shout out to our um, Snark compadres at Zcash who have been doing an amazing job and have been doing some cool Snark work on their sapling protocol. 
Yeah, Isaac, I saw your presentation at the Zcash conference. I'd love to hear more insights about what you learned at that conference and how you're thinking about you know, Zcash as a, I guess, kind of complementary protocol or kind of sister protocol in some ways in terms of their SNARK implementation and technology. So first of all, I just want to say like congratulations to the Zcash Foundation team. Zcon was an amazing conference. I mean, everyone loved it. The sort of quality of conversations was really very high. And it was, I think, a great effort in getting the right people to know each other. In terms of what they're doing, I mean, they have done an amazing job of kind of making privacy technology more accessible, especially like with the recent development on Sapling. More people working on Snarks is like better for all of us. So, and how much of that Snark work is open source for proprietary? So, if you know, if Zcash makes a significant breakthrough on Snarks, I mean, is that something that you'll be able to benefit from? Um, if you make significant progress on pushing this technology forward, will they be able to benefit from that? How do these relationships work for this cutting edge technology? Yeah, I think so. I mean, with our teams in particular, I think we're both very open source oriented. So Zcash, for example, this is like maybe two in the weeds for most people, but they made a really efficient Snark implementation of this one hash function, which we're going to reuse in Coda. You know, there's open source and, and whatever. Conversely, uh, right now we have open source our Snark programming language, which is called Snarky, for anyone, anyone to use. And all future kind of Snark developments on our end will be open source as well. So fast forward to 2025. What is different about the global monetary system than today? I think the main thing we're going to see is uh, things will be more transparent. The economics will be like more liquid and it'll be like more obvious to everyone how different entities are participating in like the global economy. Uh, on the cryptocurrency side, I think like we'll see like that infrastructure playing a big role there as well as seeing like a lot of like applications like seriously taking off being used by end users and having like kind of wide influence throughout like the global like economy. I guess the one thing that I, I would add to that is hopefully uh, resources are more equitably distributed, but <laughs> uh, that will require political change rather than technological change. My hope is that um, by making these systems more transparent, it's more obvious to everyone about like resource um, equalities and how we can improve that situation. So what are some uh, near-term predictions you have for the evolution of this crypto ecosystem? So I think one thing that we touched on a little bit already was the increased deployment of like real applications coming out. Um, so that's one thing. Another, this is like a little pessimistic, but I think we'll start to see more attacks. This has already kind of happened with the recent attacks on proof of work blockchains. So I don't expect that that trend will diminish, especially as the cryptocurrency ecosystem continues sort of gaining value in Steam. What are your thoughts on some of the emerging investing ecosystem around crypto? So, you know, there's hedge funds, crypto he dedicated hedge funds now. Oftentimes, you see them now putting out short reports. Um, there's a few short reports on Ethereum right now, and they're actually trying to distribute those as widely as possible and, and bring down the stock. So it's, it's not a technical 51% attack, but it's an attack on the brand. It's an attack on the valuation. How do you navigate that with Coda going forward, having, you know, being liquid as an early stage project? I think ultimately, like more involvement on the financial end is a good thing. I think like the more like feedback that the ecosystem has about these protocols and how they're likely to perform in the future is a good thing. I guess I worry about uh, there being a lot of noise in this and like a lot of conflicting reports on what's going to do really well and what's going to do really poorly. So I think it's kind of important everyone kind of makes up their own mind and does like a lot of research to figure out like for themselves which reports they think are um, more. Uh, 
correct and which ones they, they don't think are really backed up by good evidence. Assuming you're able to raise more money and have a small war chest, how do you think about go to market? You know, what, what does this cost? What does this look like? What does business development look like? I think the most important thing here is kind of, well, besides building out a really strong core protocol, building like support things on top of that protocol that will go a long way towards like um, bringing end users and developers and more people kind of into the fold and understanding what we're building. I feel like a lot of these cryptocurrencies are just kind of like shiny cars that never get driven anywhere. So we definitely want to like make sure that we've like built out the materials and the resources for Coda to actually, you know, be used upon launch by real people for real purposes. One question I get a lot, both from engineering friends and from MBAs, are what are these crypto projects looking for? And I'd love to ask that to you guys in terms of, you know, are you looking for BD people for you know MBAs from from Stanford and Berkeley and or you know, what types of engineers are you looking for? Basically what skill set and what backgrounds are valuable to a protocol like Coda? I think the most valuable thing right now is like technical expertise, um, really strong engineers and people who want to like build on the space. I think that's going to transition in the next like year or so, probably to being more on the business end as like more real applications are developed. Just to add on to that, people who have a strong, compelling vision about some cool application to build and also the procedural competence to kind of uh, execute on that sort of thing. So someone who can sort of conceptualize like a compelling project uh, to build on top of this technology and bring that to execution. The key takeaways from today's episode are, one, in most blockchains, there is a real trade-off between scaling and decentralization. Two, Coda is a new cryptocurrency protocol that reduces the size of the blockchain from gigabytes down to the size of just a few tweets. And three, the Coda network uses ZK snarks to compress the entire blockchain into a tiny snapshot and then sends around that snapshot instead. This means that no matter how big the blockchain gets or how many transactions are performed, the cost to verify transactions and data remains constant and expensive, making Coda accessible to everyone. Thank you for listening to the show. We're trying to make the crypto ecosystem more mainstream and welcoming. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review in iTunes and share this with one person you know who is trying to learn more about crypto technology. You can reach me on Twitter at Zachary DeWitt or email me at Zach at wing.vc. Thank you.